Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. Life comp. Aren't you glad that, that it's not dependent on how tight your grip is? But rather, how tight his grip is on you? His hands are stronger than yours. It's good news right there, church family. Hey, I, I want you to grab your Bible. I want you to flip to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And I want you to stand with me. We're going to read three verses. Three verses. Luke 18, verse 15 to 17. Thank you, choir, by the way. We are grateful for you. Luke 18, verse 15 to 17 says, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Let's pray. God. Thank you that your, your everlasting arms are not short to save. Thank you that your hands have a grasp around those who belong to you. You will not let them go. Thank you, Father, that no matter what we're going through, we go through it only with you. You're with us. Your Bible says you never leave us and you never forsake us. Your Bible says that one day you're coming for us. And we look forward to that day. Father, as we open your word, we pray that your word would speak to us. We pray, Father, for the gift of your Holy Spirit who would come and be our teacher. We pray that at the end of this service, we'd be closer to you than we were at the beginning of the service. And at the end of this service, we would love you more. Thank you, God, for what you're doing today. Thank you for your love for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Listen, we are, my family and I are grateful to be back with you guys two weeks, uh, two weeks away from the pulpit. I have not been gone from the pulpit for two weeks in a really, really long time. It, it's been somewhere between eight years and ten years. I've missed two Sundays in a row um, being on vacation. So thank you for letting me do that. I'm thankful to be able to leave a church family and know that it's well taken care of through we've got some great staff and those great staff served us well we've got great deacons and those great deacons served well and thank you for you who are sunday school teachers and such who have taken care of folks in their time of need so we're just grateful i'm thankful also for pastor samuel and pastor joe who have preached on wednesday nights and for rob white who was with us the past two sundays I'm just grateful for the friendships that we have here, and I'm grateful to be back. It was weird being out of church for that long. It's weird, weird being away from you. Okay, 
So today, we're talking about childlike faith. Childlike faith. And so, we read this passage, and I want you to notice something, okay? Now, I want you to notice that Jesus always has time for children. I just love that about Jesus. And notice the wonder of this whole story, okay? The wonder of this whole story is that in the culture of that day, children essentially were to be seen and not heard. They were a very valuable part of the the culture. They would have been those under 12 years of age, and they would have been in the care of of women and older children. And, And in this passage, it even says that they were bringing infants to Jesus. Children were a blessing and a favor from God, but in the culture of the day, they were the lowest rung of the ladder in the family and in the culture. And these disciples, Jesus' well-intentioned disciples, saw people bringing infants and children to Jesus, and the disciples weren't having any of it. They were trying to keep children from Jesus. Get away! You guys, too little, too many of you, and Jesus is so important! He's got stuff to do. You're getting in the way. And Jesus looks at them lovingly. He calls them to him, the disciples to him. He says, hey, listen, let them come. Let them come. Don't hinder them. This is the Ryan Perry version of what Jesus would say. He he, he says, I'm going to build my kingdom with little ones like this. These little children are going to be the substance of what my kingdom is made of. And in the story... Jesus invites them them in, and he makes these little children the example for us today. And so the Bible does teach adults that we have a responsibility to teach our children. But the Bible also reveals in passages like this one that children have a lot that they can teach adults too. And so children, look, look at me children, if you're a child out there, if you want to be a child today, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that you're in here. We're thankful that you're with your parents and we're, we're glad that you're teaching us some stuff, too. We need to learn. So today, we've been talking about this passage in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so we want to understand, okay, if faith is important, what kind of faith is a faith that pleases God? Because if it's impossible to please him without faith, I want to live the kind of faith that is necessary to please God. So today we're talking about childlike faith, and we're going to look at the anatomy of childlike faith in just a few minutes. But before we look at the anatomy of childlike faith, I want to compare something. I want to make a comparison of childlike faith versus childish faith. They're very similar words, but very, very different meanings. Eric Geiger, who is a writer for Lifeway, writes a lot of material for some of the Bible studies that we do. He says, childlike faith trusts. And childlike faith is a faith that is in awe. Childish faith creates division, is unable to help others, and displays gifts without grace. When you think of the word childish, you think of immature, obnoxious, selfish, And those are antithetical to the faith that pleases God. When you think of childlike, you think of trust and joy and innocence, curiosity, wonder, imagination, forgiveness. Have you ever noticed how children can forgive so easy? Man, it's the adults who struggle with it, aren't don't we? You could flip flip a switch in our house. They're fighting and then they're loving on each other. Just flipping a switch. See, childlike faith recognizes and embraces the neediness, the dependency, and the smallness 
of those who understand their place in the kingdom of God. Child, childish faith simply refuses to grow up. Paul, throughout many of his letters, specifically in 1 Corinthians, he encourages us to have childlike faith, but not childish faith. And he even says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, I think we've got it on the screen, he says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. You see, Paul's encouraging us, mature in your faith, grow up in your faith, but have childlike faith. 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says, Brothers, don't be children in your thinking. Be infants in your evil, but in your thinking be mature. And that seems paradoxical to us, doesn't it? How in the world, Paul, are we supposed to have childlike faith that's mature? C.S. Lewis sums it up this way in a quote from Mere Christianity in 1943. I think we have the quote on the screen. It says, Jesus wants a child's heart, but a grown-up's head. He wants us to be simple, single-minded, affectionate, teachable, as good children are. But he also wants every bit of intelligence that we have to be alert at its job and in first-class fighting trim. In other words, C.S. Lewis is saying, just because we have childlike faith doesn't mean we should leave our brains and check them at the door. That we should try to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and minds and strength. So he's encouraging us to childlike faith, yet that is a faith that envelops him with all of the capacities of our intelligence. Childlike faith is the kind of flavor that our faith ought to have. Well, Ryan, how do I know if I've got childish faith or childlike faith? Well, maybe here's the test. Finish this phrase for me. The greatest form of flattery is imitation. There's only one of you who could finish that? Come on, guys. The greatest form of flattery is imitation. And in imitating someone's kind of special. You maybe have seen a child imitating someone that they look up to. Maybe you remember as a child imitating someone that you really thought was a hero. And Paul says, and maybe, maybe we could say like Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Are you thinking to yourself, maybe like I've thought before, whoa, 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 I don't want people to imitate me. <laughs> don't imitate me. I'm flawed. I'm broken. I'm sinful. I don't want them to imitate me. I just want you to understand. Listen up, for church family. We're all broken. We're all sinful. We're all flawed. But can I be an example, although imperfect, for people to follow? Can I be an example for that? What do you mean? What if everybody worshipped like you? What if everybody around you took up your posture of worship? Would the church be full of praise or would it be quiet? What if everybody, what if everybody served like you did? in the church? Would there be needs? Would the nominating committee be pulling their hair out going, who's going to help us? Would the children's ministry be going, who? We need somebody to serve. Or would all the needs be met? What if people attended church like you do? Would churches be filled or churches be empty? What if people protected the unity of the church like you do? Would the church be unified or would the church be divided? What if people spoke like you did or, or gave like you did? Would the church have all its needs met? See, the sign of maturity is not having it all together. And can I get an amen on that one? 
Aren't you glad that the sign of maturity in the Christian life doesn't mean that I have to be perfect, have all my stuff together and never fall or fail or have any flaws? Wouldn't that be a, a horrible place to live every day trying to protect my perfection? See, that's not the sign of maturity. The sign of maturity is that I'm helping other children of God to follow Jesus. A little bit closer. And that's what our mission statement says. If you, when you walk out, you look to the left, there's this big plaque on the wall that says, we exist to help every person become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. That's the sign of maturity. So are you childlike or childish? So now I want to dive in to this whole idea of the anatomy of, the faith, of, of a childlike faith. What does it mean to have childlike faith? I want to have that, don't you? Jesus is encouraging us. To, he, says, he says, unless you become like one of these children. I want to become like one of those children. So how, what does it look like to have the anatomy of childlike faith? The first piece of the anatomy of childlike faith is to be born again like a child. To be born again like a child. There are two ways to enter a family. Have you noticed that? Number one is to be born into it. And number two is to be adopted into it. Number one, to be born into it. Number two, to be adopted into it. And here's the beauty of the scripture. The beauty of the scripture is, says that when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you are born again into the family of God and you are adopted into the family of God. Both of them are true for us who have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Isn't that good news? Jesus says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that thoroughly confused Nicodemus in his day. And he said, whoa, 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 Jesus. Are you telling me that I need to climb back in the womb? Is that what you're saying to me? He says, no. you got to be born of spirit, not of flesh. And here's the thing about being born into the family. The power to be born again into the family doesn't come from me. Have you noticed that? It doesn't come from me. It happened to me. Now, I've seen my wife carry a few babies and give birth to a few children. And a child does not conceive itself, carry itself, birth itself, or nurture itself, does it? It doesn't. It's something that happens to us. We are born again from above. Not from something that we can do, but from above. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Who caused us to be born again, church family? The Father did. God did. Now, and, and we see the anatomy of a, a childlike, a person of childlike faith is to be born again. This child is truly the picture of humility and dependence and what it means to be born again. We don't work our way into the family of God. We don't earn our way into the family of God. We don't sign up anywhere to get into the family of God. We don't join the family of God by walking an aisle. We don't do that. That's not how it does. We don't do anything else to deserve our way into the family of God. It happens to us. It's not something that we can do for ourselves. Jesus is very clear. Look at verse 17. He says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Here's what I, I hear out of this passage. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is a gift that is to be received, not a destination to be reached. 
The kingdom of God is something given to us. It's a gift. And who in the world are experts in receiving gifts? Children. Can I just talk about how crazy us adults are? Adults are crazy. We've lost our minds. Children, they got it all together. Okay, here's what I mean. Have you, noticed, have you ever seen a child turn down a gift? No! But who turns down gifts? Somebody takes you to lunch and they say, I'll get this one. You go, no, 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 don't do that. I'll get it. Can we split it? Can we go in halvesies? Well, let me take care of this one. And we fight over the bill. When somebody wants to give us a gift, we say, no, that's too much, too expensive, too lavish. Don't do that for me. I don't deserve that. But children are like, okay. I'll take two. You got another one over there for my friend? Children are experts in receiving gifts. There's no pride. There's no desire to pay their own way. If we want to be childlike in our faith, we, we, we got to understand the simple fact that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way that we can get into heaven and to be right with God is to receive a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's the greatest gift that God has ever given, that mankind has ever known, is a gift. And you don't earn it, you don't achieve it, you don't work for it, you receive it. And that's what Jesus says in verse 17. He says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Receive it. And we receive the gift of the kingdom by receiving the gift of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. We receive Jesus, John 1.12 says this. It says, but to all who did receive him. How do we receive him? It says, who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. God gave the greatest gift ever given. He extended his arms on a cross, willing to pay for our sins debt. And he gives the greatest gift to humanity that we could ever ask for, ever imagine. And he has extended it to us. Yet some of us have said, no, thank you. I'll work my way in. I don't deserve it. I'll pay my own way. But children are experts. In this, And if we want to have childlike faith, we've got to be born again. You mean all I've got to do is receive Jesus? Yes, but when you receive Jesus, guess what? Your life will change completely. When I trusted Jesus as my Savior, my life changed 100%. How about yours? I received a new name. Did you? My name is written down in glory. How about yours? My name's written on a, a church roll, but more importantly, most importantly, my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. How about yours? That's good news. And that's the role that matters. That's the role that matters. I received a new name, and I don't even know that name yet. But one day I'm going to find out. One day God's going to call me by my real name. I received a new name, and with that new name, a new identity, and with that new identity, a new inheritance. God has promised to give an inheritance to his children, and I've got that now. Not only does he give me a new name and a new identity and a new inheritance, but he clothes me in the clothes of his righteousness. I got a new robe. A child gets a, a robe fitting of the father's house. 
Have you been born again into the Father's house? In Revelation chapter 7, it says that uh, everyone who was surrounding the throne were clothed in white robes, waving palm branches in their hands. How'd they get their white robes, John asked. He says, by washing them and making them white in the blood of the Lamb. I'm clothed in garments of righteousness, and now my identity as a child of God is found as a, a Simply that, a child of the Father. Man, one of the big things that people are looking for in the world is value. What makes me valuable to God? And so people run out and they try to get good jobs. They try to go to good schools. Because if I do that, I'll get value. They try to make good grades or get on the right sports team or, or whatever it is. They try to make lots of money and have a big house and a big boat on the lake or whatever it is. And you, you try to do that so that it, there's a sense in which I can be valuable to God. And that's not the way the kingdom of God works. What makes me valuable to God is not what I can do. That's what the religious person would say. Well, I'm valuable to God because of what I can do for Him. I'm useful to Him because I do this and I don't do that. And I don't do the things that I shouldn't, but I do the things that I should. And that makes me valuable to God. That's what the religious person would say. And that's just simply not true. Childlike faith says what makes me valuable is not what I can do, but who I belong to. It's not what I can do for God. But the fact that I simply belong to his household, that's what makes us valuable. How liberating is that thought? That God loves you unconditionally if you're a child of God. He loves you not because you deserve it. I don't have to compare myself to other children. Has that ever happened in your household? You tried to outdo, outperform the other child so that you could be more valued by your parents. Maybe you saw your children do that. And that's not the way it has to be in the kingdom of God. As a child of God with childlike faith, being a, or being a, a child of God is a gift that God gives to you and me. And he loves us and values us just like we are. We sing a song, Just As I Am. He loves me. He loves you. And if you're truly a child of God, there's nothing you can do to mess that up. Isn't that good news? Well, what if I don't live up to it? He never asked you to. What if I let him down? You never held him up. If you've got a God that you can let down, you've got a little God. I heard, I'm going to give a, a real fast plug for a, sh a show on, uh, it's an online show, it's called The Chosen, it's a, a multi-season uh, show of the life of Jesus, it's made out of the book of John, it's a great show, it, is, it has helped me love Jesus more, uh, it, it came out uh, just before the pandemic, and guess what, it was one of the most beautiful things for my soul in the pandemic, I've told you guys a bunch of times to watch it, but the, the la I'm going to ruin the last the part of the last show for you that uh, Mary Magdalene this is this is not this is extra biblical okay so this is human imagination all right so I'm just going to go ahead and say that but um, the, the 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 writers let Mary Magdalene fall back into sin 
after Jesus redeemed her. And she, she sees her sin and she returns to Jesus and she weeps at his feet and she says, I, I can never live up. He says, I never asked you to. He says, but, she says, but you redeemed me and I've wasted it. And I love what Jesus says. I, this is not in scriptures, but it, you see it all through the scriptures. Jesus says, what kind of redemption could be lost in a day? We're, we're valuable to God simply because he has redeemed us and made us his children. And I can't mess that up. And I don't want to mess that up. So childlike faith begins with being born into his family and finding my identity in him. Second, y'all got to listen faster. Be filled with wonder like a child. Filled with wonder like a child. Have you ever noticed that children look at the world differently than we adults do? Children do. Man, I would love... People always say, man, I wish I had the energy of that child. I don't, because I'd be tired, okay? But I, I wish that I could see the world through a child's eyes for one more day. That's what I want. I wish I could see it for what it is. They look, they look at the world with innocence and joy and curiosity. Why? And why? And why? And awe. And they even look at people that way. Have you noticed that children see the right, what's right in people before they see what's wrong in people? Have you noticed that we, as we age, our worldview changes? We, we invite a friend to the party. His name is Skepticism. Come on in. Welcome. And we invite him in, and he changes our worldview. And, and we might say, well, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. However you want to word it, a rose by any other name still smells as sweet. I'm not a realist. We become more cynical as we age. And we're always looking, in every situation, we're looking for the catch. There's got to be a catch. It's too good to be true. Not a child. A child looks at God's world and God's people with awe and wonder. And they, they start by looking with all the things that are right. And the older I get, have you noticed this about you? The older I get, the easier it becomes to look for all the things that are wrong. We do it with the world, we do it with people, we do it with our country. Have you lost your wonder? Do you know we live in an incredibly beautiful place? Have you caught yourself driving that same road over and over that you've driven a million times and you have just missed out on the fact that God is showing off his beauty right in your midst? Have you lost your wonder? When I read the book of Psalms, and we're reading the book of Psalms as a church family, in our uh, year-long or two-year-long Bible reading plan, we're reading right smack in the middle of the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 8, and we sang about the majesty of the Lord. Psalm 8, 1 and 3 to 4 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. And then verse 3 continues, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? When was the last time you were in God's creation and you just looked around and you said, Wow! I can't believe that God did all this. And whoa, 
If he did this, how incredible is it that he loves me? You see it? When was the last time you did that? God's opened up my eyes to wonder these past two weeks of vacation. I watched the sunrise on the Atlantic and the sunset on the Gulf in a single day. We traveled down the east coast of Florida and we traveled up the west coast of Florida. We saw incredible things. We snorkeled in beautiful places. We saw incredibly crystal clear water and beaches and the things that God created. We snorkeled. Miles and I got to snorkel with a turtle. It was cool. God opened my eyes to wonder. Friday, I took three college students and and, and an older college student, Mr. Felix, up to Lake Jocassi. And I got to show three college guys from Chile some of the most beautiful waterfalls that I know of. And I just got to sit there and go, whoa. And I got to watch it through three Chilean guys' eyes as they're going, wow, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been. I go, yeah, it, it really is, isn't it? I'd lost my wonder. When was the last time you wondered at God's creation? Psalm 119 verse 18 literally says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. When was the last time you just wondered at God's word? You read it and you said, whoa! I can't believe that's true. That is the most beautiful truth I've ever heard in my life. When was the last time you wondered at it? See, wonder is hard work. Childlike faith means making space in your life for wonder. Have you noticed how we're always on a schedule? Even on our vacation, we're on a schedule. What are we going to do? Where are we eating for lunch? Where are we eating for dinner? That was our big schedule right there. It all revolved around what are we eating? But we had a schedule. Have you noticed that sometimes we get so busy that we don't have time for wonder? See, a child of God is in awe of the Creator. A child of God is in awe of His Word. When was the last time you just stopped and wondered at God's creation? When was the last time you stopped focusing on what was broken in our world and you started being filled with wonder at this world that God has given to us? Take a drive. If, you're, if you've lost your wonder, drive somewhere around. Watch a sunrise. Watch a sunset. Be curious. Ask questions. Seek wisdom. Search the scriptures and be filled with the wonder of a child. Ask God. If you're struggling to wonder, if all you can see is what's broken, ask God to teach you to wonder at his creation and his word in the days ahead. Lastly, trust like a child. Trust like a child. So be born again like a child. Wonder, be filled with wonder like a child. And third, trust like a child. Now, I want you to hear me say, trust like a child, but think like an adult. Trust like a child, but think like an adult. Have you ever noticed that a child will not let you forget a promise that you make to them? Can I get an amen out there from parents? They will not let you forget. Dad, do you remember what you said? 19 sitting? No, I'm just They will not let you forget it. Now, a child remembers their parents' promises and expects them to be fulfilled. You said, don't tell me what I said. I've learned to be careful what I tell my children. Miles, when you ask me to do something, what's my answer? What? And I say, maybe, right? 
I say maybe all the time, just because I don't want to get myself into trouble, make a promise that I can't keep. See, childlike faith trusts. Childish faith is skeptical. Childlike faith takes God at His word and trusts His promises. You tell a, a childish person, God promises that you will rise from the dead. And you go, well, how does that work? I need to understand. You tell somebody with childlike faith that you're going to rise from the dead. They go, yeah, I can't wait for that day. What does it mean? I don't know, but he said it, and I'm waiting. They don't have to understand everything to trust the one who said it. I walk, I walk through the daycare occasionally, and I just I talk to kiddos and talk to teachers. And when I go into this one certain class in preschool on this side... There's always a little boy who looks at me, he hops up from his chair, he looks at me and he says the same thing every time I've been there. He's been saying it for years. He's been in preschool since he was, you know, for, for you know, a, lot of, a lot of years, you know. And so uh, he says, uh, my daddy's coming back to get me. My daddy's coming back to get me. He tells me four or five times in the two minutes that I'm in his room, my daddy's coming back to get me. You want to know why he's so focused on that? Because that morning his daddy dropped him off. He said, I'm coming back to get you later today. I'm going to come back it for you. And as children of God, we have to remember that our Heavenly Father is better than the best of earthly fathers. He will not, he cannot, he, he, he cannot go back on his word. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus. Don't forget what this little boy in our daycare is teaching us. He's teaching us that our Abba Father is coming back for his own kiddos. That Jesus is going to come back for those who belong to them and have been born again of the Holy Spirit. He's coming back. What's it going to look like? I don't know. But he said it, and I believe it. I don't have to understand it. Childlike faith doesn't look at the circumstances. Adult faith looks at the circumstances and says, well, the odds of that happening are slim. Childlike faith doesn't look at the circumstances, simply remembers our Father's words and knows for certain that He's going to keep them. So childlike faith has been born again. Childlike faith is filled with wonder, and childlike faith is a faith that trusts like a child. My prayer for us is that we would all seek if you've not been born again, my prayer is that you would understand what that means to be born again and you would surrender to Jesus' plan or God's plan for you to trust Jesus to be born again. But that the rest of us who have been born again, that we would seek every day to be filled with wonder and to trust more readily. But I want to talk one, more, one last little point. Something that Jesus says that we can't miss. He says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. This is for us, church. This is for us. I want you to understand the heart of Jesus is that children are welcome in his presence. He bids them come, and he even goes so far to warn the people who would keep them from coming. He, he says to them, it's better that a, a giant millstone were tied around your neck and you were thrown in the depths of the sea than you would keep a little one from coming to me. That's a, that's a pretty powerful warning. And there's, I think there's intention for you and for me here as a church. There's intention that, that would say children are always going to be a priority at Seneca Baptist Church. They just are. They need to be. 
listen, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to die one day, but what's the generation that we're raising up that's going to take the reins of the church from us? We need children. They're going to be a priority in our church. They should be a priority in our homes. Churches often give children's ministries less finances than other ministries, and that should not be true here. We don't want them to be less important or less of a priority. We don't want to send children out of the service. And so you might have noticed, well, when is children's worship going to start? And I don't know that it is. What I mean by that is we want them here. That's why we let them lead and sing and read and pray here. Because we need them here. We want little squirming, noisy children in our pews. We do. We want our floors to be scuffed up. Sorry, Mr. Johnny. And, and dirty handprints on our walls because of the hordes of children that are here. And so, listen, if there's ever a baby that, that's crying, don't be that grumpy Gus. Don't be the one who gives that mama and that baby the stank eye because the baby is crying and doing what babies are supposed to do. Don't be that person. Remember, Jesus says, let them come. Kingdom belongs to little children. There's a, a mission focus in the IMB and lots of other uh, organizations, missions organizations, called the 1040 window. And it's this window... Uh, from southwestern uh, Europe, across North Africa, all the way across um, the Middle East and the, all the Stan countries there and all the way over to East Asia, Southeast Asia. It's called the 1040 window and it's the greatest emphasis of the, the international mission world because it holds, uh, India is right in the middle there, it holds the largest population of unreached people groups in the entire world. And so these missions organizations say that is the most strategic place that we can invest missionally. And we've, we've got some who spent many years there. Um, but I want to suggest another window to you. It's the 414 window. The, it's the ages between when a child is between 4 and 14 are the most foundational and strategic times to reach a child for Jesus. And it's one of our most important mission focuses here at Seneca Baptist Church. That's why we want the Child Development Center, uh, led by Teresa Melton, to be brought in further to be a ministry of Seneca Baptist Church. We don't want it to be us and them. We want it to be us, and we get to minister to them. That's why we're doing VBS and Kids Camp this year. That's why we're doing it, is because we want to introduce people to the name above all names, the only one who can save we want to introduce people to Jesus. We want these little children who are the most formative years of their life to hear and understand and believe like a child. That's why we do Good News Club across the street. And we're going to have to have some good conversations about Good News Club. We need your help. We need your leadership. That's why we as a church have um, made a partnership with Seneca Classical Academy. That they will have 120 children, students here at our church's campus every day, Monday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And there will be a classic Christian academy right here on Seneca Baptist Church's campus. 
It's an opportunity for Seneca Baptist to influence a Christian worldview in 120 little hearts and minds. I want you to just understand, because we say, well, what does that mean for us? Well, it might mean that your, your Sunday school class is rearranged for a few days and then put together at the end of the week. It, it might mean that there are scuffs on our floors um, that weren't there at the beginning of the week, that they're there at the end of the week. It might mean some certain things, but... It's 120 little souls that we get to invest kingdom dollars in. That's good. And we ha God has given us that opportunity to, to teach 120 people, students, children, about Jesus every week. And you'll, you've probably even noticed if you're on D-Wing that there are two classrooms over there that are getting full with stuff. They're being used as storage for when... Seneca Classical Academy comes. Thirteen classrooms, Tuesday, half day, Wednesday, and Thursday. Four of uh, Seneca Baptist Church's own children will be there. Um, two of our staff members are on the board of the school, and this is just an awesome opportunity to let the little children come. Don't hinder them. So as I close today, I want to ask you just a, a couple questions that, between you and the Lord. Number one, are you a child of God? You can't have childlike faith until you've been born again. Are you a child of God? Number two, are you seeking every day to possess a childlike faith that is growing in maturity? Would you pray with me? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, there are people in this room right now that, that have a decision ahead of them. There, there are people here in this room who may or may not have crossed the line into being a part of the family of God. There's something that's a hitch for them, and I pray for them that they would um, get over that hitch. You would lead them to yourself. You'd give them eyes to see you and ears to hear you, and you would they would hear your voice calling and you'd save them. They'd surrender to you. They would receive Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And I pray for every child that we have in this church that they would have that same opportunity to hear about Jesus and to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. I pray, Father, for each one of us that we would have childlike faith, not childish, but childlike, that we would be maturing in that faith and we would be examples for others to follow as, and we would seek to help other people become more devoted disciples of Jesus. Father, and I pray that our church would be filled with little feet, little voices, little hands, little lives that are learning to praise you and worship you and surrender themselves to you through our examples. I pray that you would use our church to reach the next generation of pastors, teachers, missionaries, world changers. And Father, we don't exactly know how to do that, but we're asking that you'd lead us as you have. We love you, Lord. 
We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like to trust